Hey George, did you hear you got a serial killer running around in Detroit? Uh, yeah, there is a active serial killer killing prostitutes in the Detroit area. Well, at least you're safe. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopefully not going to be affected by that. So. Yeah, so if any of our listeners are prostitutes in Detroit, might want to look out. If a guy invites you into an abandoned house to pay you for services, don't do it. That's just, how this guy's killing women. Just say no. Don't be a just, prostitute. Just a PSA for you guys. So, how's it going, everyone? <laughs> Welcome to episode 72 of Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast. It's me, your boy, Jimmy Champagne. I'm host. I'm joined by my best friend, George Frizzard. What's going on? Uh, you just bought a laptop. <laughs> yeah, you bullied me into it. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not bully you into it. I told you the benefits, the pros and the cons of the laptop I have, and then you bought the same one. You Chrome Remote desktoped onto my computer and hit buy and all the <laughs> entered all my information. Whatever, man. I think it's really funny that we're like really close friends, but we don't have that that like animosity towards each other having the same thing. <laughs> we're like, yeah, I have this thing and I highly recommend it because it's good. You right. should get it. You should also get this thing that I highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I thought about that last time this happened which i don't remember <laughs> i think it was with the 1x i was like that's pretty funny yeah that, and that's been a, a good console it served me well that console kicks ass yeah i'm we'll talk about e3 in a minute I'm starting to think like maybe whatever xbox does next like uh well anyways here i'll just do the preamble really quick and then we'll get into e3 talk because that's this weekend so this week we're going to be reviewing godzilla king of the monsters and then i'm going to tell you why you shouldn't waste any money whatsoever (laughs) on dark phoenix we have some great horror news finally a halloween alert uh do we have any new reviews or anything or emails we we actually do have one new review and it's absolutely hilarious okay so (laughs) i didn't know that this is from cooper four three zero one four two zero and he, is that his phone number? I, I don't know. <laughs> and that's, so the, that's the right digits. <laughs> so the title is, hey, and he gave us a five-star review, and then the review is just pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Cooper. Thank You're pretty you. good, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this week, um, instead of talking about what games we're playing, I think we've been playing the same stuff. Like, I beat Rage 2, yeah. you beat Rage 2. Um, I, I played more Resident Evil. Yeah, I started Days Gone, but I haven't put too much time into it. Yeah, so let's talk about E3. Um, so, it starts Sunday. Xbox is going, and then Bethesda's going. Sony's not there. We've got Square Enix. We've got e- EA is on Saturday, and Nintendo. Uh, I'm really excited for Xbox, because they're going to show off the 14 developers they bought last year, what they're working on. And a lot of the stuff is leaked already, which kind of blows. How do you feel about E3 leaks? Um, I mean, it's kind of, it it deflates it a little bit because obviously getting the big reveals is cool and kind of the whole reason you watch E3, but I think there's so much more that goes along with the games other than just announcing them. Like usually there's a trailer or some talk about it, developers kind of saying what the vision is. And I think obviously you can't leak that kind of stuff. So I think it it just kind of builds hype because it's like, oh, now I'm really looking forward to this game. So I really have to watch when it's on. One of the coolest things that's already come out that's not a leak, it happened during Google's Stadia event or their own event. Bungie announced that Destiny 2, the main game with all of the first expansions, is going free to play, which makes sense because they're totally independent now. But then the new expansion called like Storm, it's called, I don't know what it's called, Stormkeep maybe, I don't remember. It's going back to the moon, you're going to fight Eris Morn. They're moving the game from Battle.net over to Steam. So if you already own the game on Battle.net, you'll be able to transfer your guy from that to Steam. And then the new expansion's 35 bucks. That's the main platform going forward. It's totally standalone. But the coolest thing is you'll be able to transfer your saves between PS4, Xbox One, and PC at will. Yeah. Which is fucking awesome. I think that'll be really cool moving forward. Um, I'm assuming it'll be like what they did with the previous expansions where you'll get like whatever the spark of light is this time, where you'll just have a Mm -hmm. one-time item you can use that kind of gets you kind of tiered up to where the point you can play all the new content Um, right so like basically the only benefit to transferring your old save at this point is just i guess the characters that you had like you don't have to make a new one 
Um, but yeah. other, other than that, it seems like it'll just kind of be a clean slate here moving forward. If you ever want to jump between the consoles, you have that option, which is cool, and, and I appreciate that. I really, I'm excited for that because our friend Craig, he plays on PS4, but like we both have a One X, we both have sick ass gaming PCs, and the benefit to having a PC with Destiny 2 is that it runs at 60 frames per second, and it's a great PC port. So now Craig can play with us on PC, but still play with his PS4 people, or vice versa. Like we could go to console or whatever. Um, I am definitely not buying a Google Stadia controller <laughs> because. The tech is cool, but you you have to rebuy all the games on it. Yeah. So um, like that's stupid. That's that's a weird one. Um, I'm not too familiar with it, but it just seems like a lot of the buzz around it has been pretty negative, and it seems like it just wasn't very well thought out. So Google hasn't really broken into the the gaming market too well just yet. Yeah, and I know Xbox is bringing Project X Cloud or whatever to E3. So if I, my options are Google's version, which Google has proven before that they'll just drop support for yeah. things on <laughs> like a dime, yep. or Xbox's version, which I can use with every game I own digitally already. Like I'm going to go with Xbox personally. Right. It's like a no brainer. I also don't really love the idea of playing games on my fucking phone, yeah. which is what people seem to be excited about. Right. Like, I prefer a no. little bit larger form factor than that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I have a gaming laptop, so any any situation where Stadia would come in handy, I have a laptop that's like good enough, right? Like <laughs> you know? basically desktop class, where you can play anything at it at the drop of a hat. Yeah, so one of the games that leaked already is Watch Dogs Legion, which is essentially Watch Dogs Three. It takes place in dystopian London, allegedly in the future, because London already apparently is like one of the most surveilled cities in the world. Like it's crazy how much they know about you and how much your right to privacy is invaded over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the conceit here is that you can play as any NPC in the game and they all have their own voice lines and dialogue and all this shit, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a cool gimmick. I don't know how well it'll work in practice, but right. Um, I, I mean, it's cool to see them trying something new. It's better than um, Ubisoft just releasing the same game again as they do with their other series. So at least with Watch Dogs, they're kind of trying to branch out and, tr and try new stuff. Yeah, and another leak that just happened uh, is that George R.R. R. Martin is teaming up with From Software to make a game called, like, uh, Isle Ring or something. I don't know. Elden Ring? It's called. It Elden Ring, which is a terrible name. <laughs> that sounds like a cool idea because that's the one thing that From Software games are lacking is, like, a coherent, well-written story. So if he can bring his talent to that, that'd be sweet. Yeah, um, it's kind of weird because I think one of the things that the Dark Souls games do way better than most series is their like very deep, intricate world and lore. That's like mm -hmm. everything is very cool, but it's all abandoned, and you have to really dig for any kind of storyline that connects everything. But like you kind of get what you put into it. If you start researching the lore, you get a lot out of it because it's like cool and deep, and there's all these secret connections and stuff. So I think if they can kind of bring that more to the surface, but still have this really deep, intricate world that they're always kind of known for, I think that's like a best of both worlds situation where you don't have to dig for it, but we get all the things that we love and we get to see them right off the bat instead of having to dig for it. I agree. I'm like super excited for whatever that is. And from software games, they usually don't announce them until like soon before they're going to come out which is great so hopefully whatever happens there like we'll be able to play it sooner rather than later i know microsoft ninja theory uh they're putting out like a four-player ninja action game like competitive yeah. multiplayer yep I saw that's that. whatever like i'll wait till i see that i think they have to prove it before i'm excited for it yeah ninja theory's been kind of up and down recently um like hellblade was awesome right DMC was whatever, but Microsoft owns them now, so that's cool. Um, I'm excited for whatever the Outer Worlds is going to be. That game needs to come out soon. Um, I'm really excited for Bethesda, obviously. Yeah. I'm seeing that on Sunday. I I'm also... Um, so, I think the thing wait, I'm most excited for is uh, I've seen some, some talk of Microsoft bringing their Games Pass to PC, where they're going to have a yeah. dedicated library of first-party games or these other kind of 
uh, indie games or, or third-party games that they kind of have for a limited time where it's a subscription service, you pay X amount of dollars a month, and you have access to all these games immediately, which is a really actually great service on the Xbox. You, there's a ton of games you'd never play, and they're all like really actually good games. So I think uh, Games Pass is like really worth it if you have an Xbox, and if that's cross with PC games now, there's no way I'm not going to use it on PC as well. Yeah, so they, they didn't say what games are coming to it, but it, you can bet that it's going to be first-party stuff because that's how it works. Yeah. That's awesome. Gears 5 is going to get a release date. I'm really excited for that. We had a lot of fun with Gears 4. Yeah, I mean, that's supposed to be out this that. year, so probably It'd be get sweet it. if it just dropped. Yeah. I, are you going to get Gears Tactics? That seems like a U game. I might. I mean, I like a tactics game, and I, I've played all the Gears games, so I'm kind of you know in it on the world. I'm, I'm versed in, in that world, so... I check it out, especially if it's on this like Game Pass thing, that you can just pay whatever a month and play all these games. Yeah, so Bethesda's bringing um, some a lot of Fallout seventy six news. Obviously, they have to get up on stage and be like, "Yo, we fucked up launching this game before it was ready, but we've improved it." Which is something that a lot of people don't know is how improved it is at this point. Like, it's a great game. It went from like an okay game to like a great game. Um. I know that they're going to announce the rest of 2019 support for that. So that means we're going to hear about Wastelanders, which is rumored to be uh, like the map gets invaded by real NPCs. Like the Wastelanders are a faction. But they're also going to talk about Nuclear Winter. And they've already started to update the game for that by completely overhauling the combat to make the first person shooting more like real first person shootery instead of like an RPG, mm. which I like. Um, because Nuclear Winter is supposed to add in a lot of new PvP stuff. Like a deathmatch mode and a battle royale and a one of the vaults and everything like that. Yeah, um, this game is one where like I've I have pretty limited uh, time with it. I've played it like a few times with you pretty extensively, but other than that, like I kind of just recently started playing on my own. And even from like when I first started playing it to now, the differences are amazing. Like how much they add and, and keep up on this game to improve it week over week, patch, patch over patch is pretty insane. It's really cool. Todd Howard came out and like acknowledged how fucked up it was, but then he also said like we're sticking with this game. Like this is a platform we're sticking with, and they've done a really good job at just directly listening to fans and improving the game that way. Like the people who actually play it, they go, "Hey, what's working for you and what isn't?" And like on the subreddit, people say, "This is working, this isn't." And they go, "Okay, we'll we'll make changes accordingly." And then within weeks, sometimes they do, which is really cool. Yeah, um, you gotta love that when the developer kind of, you know, they eat their humble pie and the people who are actually playing it all the time have direct input on changes and fixes and, and improvements in the future. Uh, like, the last thing I saw from the subreddit that was actually, like, a controversial topic was the Atom Store having mm -hmm. repair kits, which is an item that can repair your weapons in the game or, or armor, and... Um, you know, they were saying that basically they only want the Atom Store to be for cosmetic items and not have anything that could make the game pay to win. Uh, and I right. think since then they've kind of backed off of that and haven't added anything that wasn't a cosmetic item. Right, and repair kits are so, like, negligible. Like, they are they don't really give you any real benefit. It's just right. easy, it's not like quicker repair. You go in and you buy a set of power armor and you get the best power armor in the game and you can buy fusion cores, you can constantly be in it or anything. You still have to earn them by exploring the world and doing missions, which, yeah. which is cool. And, like, e Ethan and Grayson are two Discord mods. Uh, if you're on their Childish Sinatra and E-Trept, we play a lot. We've never needed... Um, repair kits ever i used it to cheat in the tadpole scout uh, <laughs> badge thing because the archery challenge you have to repair a crossbow three times mm -hmm. and i was like well i don't really care about that like i'm never gonna use the crossbow again after the challenge so i right. just bought two repair kits with like atoms <laughs> iron from challenges and then i just double repaired it and i got the badge well so that was pretty good i was fine with that and uh, i got my backpack it's great so i'm excited for whatever they have uh shinji mikami director of resident evil 4 and the two evil within games he is at e3 so people are saying he's probably going to announce something new at uh, e3 i hope it's the evil within 3 but i'm not sure if it will be because the evil within 2 didn't sell very well but if it is the evil within 3 like i'm all in yeah i, I mean i think Beth bethesda is pretty good about that like i don't think rage 1 was a great selling game 
Um, right. I don't even think it was really that well received. I think people thought it was just basically like okay, no, it wasn't like kind of cool. And they stuck with that. Came out with Rage Two, which is a I mean it's a vast improvement over the original. Feels a lot better to play. Has like a lot more personality. Um, so I could see them sticking with this series because it has such a giant cult following. I think there are a lot of fans of this series that would hate to see the second one be the last one in the series since that was so good. Yeah, I definitely would. I really want to see more of that game, especially with the open world type stuff they introduced. It's just so cool. It's just a really cool game. They finally hit their stride with it and no one really played it. It'd be just funny does. if they just called it The Evil Within. <laughs> just do <laughs> just like a like, clean reboot of it. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So yeah, I'm I mean that's that's what I hope he's bringing. Joining. But if he brings anything else, I'll probably play the shit out of that too. If everything goes well, I'll be able to play Doom Eternal, which is awesome, and I'll be able to play Dying Light Two, which I am also very excited for. Yeah, I Doom Eternal that... is going to be awesome. I feel. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll have Wolfenstein Youngblood, and hopefully they'll have uh, some DLC news for Rage Two, because that game's story was short as fuck, man. Like it's eight missions. Do you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's literally how long it is. Um, I, I mean, there's like, they break it up because you have to do the in-game challenges to rank up with the three different classes. I mean, I'm fine with a short game. I don't have any issues with a game being like sub 10 hours. But yeah. I, I think if it's going to be that short, like everything needs to be nailed pretty perfectly. And I don't think Rage 2 nailed everything. Like it was, it's a fine game it's it's pretty fun but i wouldn't call that yeah give like it a like a 7.5 experience. yeah like i feel like if, if they wanted to make it that short they had to also make like every moment really like impactful and cool and right. I, I don't think they did that i mean there were definitely cool moments in it but it wasn't like start to finish like whoa that was awesome yeah so i don't know it's it's a good game it could use some improvement and i'm sure they'll stick with it and then also xbox is really gonna have to blow it out of the water they'll definitely talk about next gen I don't know if they'll announce what the console's called, but I know they'll talk about specs. They'll show they'll show some Halo Infinite gameplay because that game is definitely next gen. Uh, if they can come out swinging and say like, "Here's our next console. We're gonna sell it at this time," that'd be dope. I just don't think they'll do that. Yeah, um, I think like you were saying earlier, you know, they have the fourteen. They said fourteen developers that they have acquired that are gonna be making fresh IPs. I think you know after last year where they're three of the top 10 games like universally were all PlayStation exclusives Mm -hmm. um, was like definitely a big hit for them where, yeah, their biggest announcement was that they bought these studios. (laughs) Right. Now you got to show something with it. (laughs) Right. So if they can back up, they're like, we have all these studios and we like, if they can produce like what Sony did last year and have like two or three games that are like way definite game of the year contenders, that would be awesome for Microsoft. And that's really what I'm hoping that they're bringing. Yeah. So I will be there Sunday for those two shows. I'm also going Tuesday for work to film the Austin video. I'm going to try and work something weird into that, like when I touched the PUBG guy last year, because everyone really liked that. (laughs) Do some background weirdness. Yeah, I'm going to try and figure that out. And then Wednesday, I'm just going for fun. Uh, There's some some child's play thing for for some reason I got invited to. And then that's when I'm going to play all the games. So I'm pretty excited. I, I hope Bethesda brings some cool merch, because they always usually do. Um, but, yeah, E3 is a good time. And, oh shit, George. Ah! You and Dr. Loomis. He's He's so gave him a break. Gave him a break for as long as we could. Damn, dude. This is fucking crazy. Uh, so, we have a pretty big Halloween update. So, I actually got to do a Halloween video a couple weeks ago, and it completely blew up. It got, like, 40,000 views. And then I got this Halloween update, and I was like, shit, there's no way this one's going to do well. And YouTube was like, uh, people are watching this video longer, so we're feeding it to more people. And it's at, like, 10,000 views, which nice. is awesome. Nice. It's pro- or Now it's at 15,000, so it's blowing up again, which is great. Halloween is still out there. Um, basically... Jason Blum said he was working on it the last time we heard from him, but the other day he posted a picture of him and Jamie Lee Curtis, which looks like it's in his office, uh, of her holding her NECA figure of Laurie Strode. And he says, we're, we're discussing stuff. The cool thing, the, the, the cool hint here, Ryan Turek posted a screenshot of this and said he got to hand deliver this 
action figure to her, but then he changed the caption and deleted that part of it. So he was definitely in Jason Blum's office doing this. He gave and, gave a little okay. bit, uh, showed a peek behind the curtain too too much. Yeah. We weren't supposed to know that he was in that office with him. <laughs> yeah, but I saw it before he changed it, like three hours later. And so I think putting on putting on my Halloween expert hat here, Jamie Lee Curtis said the only way she'd guaranteed come back is if David Gordon Green and Danny McBride called her up and said, hey, we want to do another movie. We've heard since then that neither of them are coming back, that they don't want to, and Blumhouse hired a guy named Scott Teams to write a new script. So what I'm assuming this meeting was, was Jason Blum saying, hey, please come back for a sequel, and he probably showed her the idea for the story they have. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I could see this basically being like, you know, come in, we'll have a meeting, see if you're interested at all in this new movie and kind of you know, gauge her interest and see if she wants to be part of the sequels from here, which, you know, obviously you'd want to have Laurie Strode in them. I mean, I, I, I guess spoiler alert, but, you know, she's not dead in the end of the first movie, so you, you, she can obviously still be in the sequels and, and continue on through the Halloweens uh, to come. So I think, you know, not only would it make sense for her to be in the sequels, but I think fans would want her to still be in there if she's interested. Yeah, she really is. She's like the new Loomis, so I think they need her, pretty much. Like, Allison has kind of become the Lori, and Lori has become the Loomis, where she's the only one who really knows what Michael is and how to fight him. Because right. she's no kind of his keeper her. at this point. Like, And she's displayed the fact that she will go after him, despite the fact that he doesn't really give a shit about her right. anymore, you know? Trying to right. kill her. He's just like, he wants to kill. They're going to have to work around some weird things, like uh, the fact that he's missing fingers now and stuff like that Uh, but one cool element i really hope they have in this is that his mask is like fused to his face yeah that'd be sweet they have that like burnt melted on look to him i I mean that's just gonna be harder for continuity's sake going forward like missing fingers and and burn scars all over his body but i think that's also kind of a cool addition to the character where if you can keep like fucking him up in a new way each movie and have him be more and more like deranged as they go on i think that'd be kind of a cool continuity to the whole movie to movie yeah like make a ghost michael or something it would be sweet so the rumor we also have heard is that they're going to be filming two sequels back to back which would be awesome just like guarantee more halloween movies because if they do this sequel and it doesn't do well that means they could be like oh we don't want to do a third movie but if they shoot them back to back that means we're gonna fucking see a third movie you know right you just hope that the sequels will be good (laughs) stay on that same quality level as the first one yeah, I also hope they get a good director. It'd be sweet if they could get, like, Michael Dougherty or... Uh, Mike Flanagan was in talks to do it. I don't think he's the best person for something like this. He's not really, like, a gore guy. No, he's, he's not, kind like, a of slasher a slasher director. He's more like... Uh, he adapts, like, long-form stories really well. And mm-hmm. so I don't think if there's, like, a lot... Of, like, there's not a lot of source material for this, obviously, to adapt. So, he, like, I don't think he has a lot of his own, like, flavor to him, and I think you need to have kind of a bold voice to make a good Halloween movie. Yeah, I I would really like if they went back to Adam Wingard, because he was uh, he was in the running for yeah. a while. And John Carpenter told him that he loved the year next and, like, wanted him to direct it. That'd be and cool. Then I'd be definitely down he for, signed, him, for him doing yeah, that. Yeah, the only reason he didn't do it is because he signed on for Kong versus godzilla which like i get <laughs> yeah i mean you know, I'd, he, I'd also he, want to do that movie like <laughs> it's gonna be a ton of fun yeah but that movie's done like production's wrapped it's in editing so uh it's coming out next march i feel like he's got time to direct another halloween movie you know yeah that'd be got, sweet he's definitely got some time but things are looking up for the franchise it's not going away which i know some people were kind of scared of that's the best thing here right we, we still are, we have michael coming down the pipeline Yep. So the night we already talked our, about our next two stories about the two game news: the George R. R. Martin from Software and the Evil Within director Shinji Mikami being at E3. Next thing you've got on here is a Ghostbusters story. So I'm gonna let you handle this one because <laughs> so, you're the Ghostbusters guy. So uh, Sigourney Weaver confirms that she's reprising reprising her role of uh, Dana for the new Ghostbusters movie. So this is kind of cool. Um, I, I haven't been following this too closely, but um, it's cool to obviously see some of the, you know, as much as the original cast coming back as possible. Hopefully that means they're kind of sticking to the continuity of the first two and building off of that and trying to make it, you know, like a meaningful entry to the canon. 
Um, yeah. I mean, Sigourney Weaver's a great actress. I, I don't think she's ever really done a bad movie. I mean, maybe like Alien 4, but <laughs> other than that, uh, I think she's like very much, she, she goes into her characters pretty hard, and I think that's a pretty beloved one. So it's cool to see her come back, uh, and I'm happy that, you know, this is probably going to be pretty close to a canon, like as if Ghostbusters 3 were to come out like the year after Ghostbusters 2 or something. Like it seems like it's going back to, you know, as close to the original storyline as possible. Right, and both Finn Wolfhard and Carrie Coon are in it, so I'm all in. Carrie Coon's great in Fargo, and Finn Wolfhard's just dope. Yeah, so. yeah, so good things to come, hopefully. I mean, good news about the Ghostbusters movie. Just cross your fingers and, and hope it's good. Yeah, I just, I've never been a, I like Ghostbusters. I've never been a huge fan of it. I didn't give two shits about the Paul Viga one that everyone lost their minds over. Mm-hmm. I just never saw it. So I'm down for this. This feels like a good thing. And I saw that they're bringing the remastered version of the game to Switch, which is basically Ghostbusters 3. Yeah. Because they got um, all the actors to voice act in it. Yeah, I've, I've never played that game, but I've heard it's like pretty well received. Um, so I, I'd probably play that if it drops on Switch, when it drops on Switch. It's, it's weird to me that Ghostbusters became like a franchise that's like as revered as things like Star Wars and stuff, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like there's, two movies right it's weird because there's two movies and like the second one is fun but it's like a pretty steep quality drop off from the first one like mm-hmm. I, I think the first one's a masterpiece like ghostbusters one is an yeah, it's all-time, great. all-time classic uh, ghostbusters 2 is a fun movie but i you know i wouldn't call it a classic uh and it's like you know you have two movies and then i think it just kind of capitalized on that time in the 80s where it had you know like a cartoon show and toys and all that so it really kind of connected with people that are like a little bit older than us like they grew up with not just the movies but the toys and the shows and the serials and all that stuff so i think it resonates more with like a little bit older people than us but i'm definitely excited to see it come back in in a real way yeah the other things i'm really excited to see i was reading the next story while you were talking about that uh this birds of prey movie sounds fucking awesome yeah (laughs) so i didn't know what this was but i guess it's going to be an r-rated movie starring margot robbie as harley quinn again but it also has mary elizabeth winstead in it and the villain is black mask played by ewan mcgregor i don't know a lot of batman villains but i always thought black mask was really cool (laughs) they kind of tease you with them in that uh arkham origins game yeah but then they reveal him as the joker because of course they do but he (laughs) seems like a really cool batman bad guy and if it's going to be rated r that sounds fine to me i'm excited for that yeah um i'm really down for like, I thought that the coolest part of the Batman Origin game was that they picked a bunch of, like, obscure villains that you wouldn't normally hear about or see in movies. Like, you know, they had Firefly and Black Mask and, like, yeah. Clayface and, and characters that, like, you wouldn't normally see or, or assume that they would be changed for the big screen. And so to pick kind of one of these, like, B or C tier villains and cast them as Ewan McGregor, who's a great actor... And, and have this, like, R-rated action movie. I mean, we see DC has kind of shifted to the more mature content with things like Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing. So I, I think if they kind of make their brand, like, where the, like, R-rated, like, adult superhero movies, that could work really well for them. And so if this movie is good, I think that's a massive step in the right direction. Yeah, and I also hear, I, I have a feeling that Marvel is realizing that, that DC is figuring this shit out, that there are more... They're better at these darker R-rated stories. A lot of the heroes that DC is planning on working with are like R-rated heroes. Like Deadpool, I know they want to bring him into the Marvel fold Mm -hmm. as Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. So R-rated as fuck. They want to do Moon Knight. They want to do Werewolf by Night, Dracula. Like all of these are R-rated heroes and villains. Right, they don't want to miss out on the like mature comic book fan market. So they want to yeah. still have those characters around. I mean, it's all gravy for us because we get more cool R-rated movies to go see. <laughs> more cool like R-rated movies. Yeah, I don't give a movies. shit. That's yeah. awesome. But, and uh, uh, Birds of Prey is coming out really soon, actually. It's coming out in February of 2020. Yeah. I mean, I this was a movie that was like pretty low on my radar. I didn't know really what to expect. Like, Suicide Squad's like pretty bad. So I wasn't sure like <laughs> what, what would really come out of that. That would be decent. That's such a good statement. <laughs> Suicide Squad's, like, pretty bad. <laughs> but That's awesome. It, it seems like they're kind of figuring stuff out. You know, they've nailed this kind of darker tone in their uh, DC Universe shows. 
and I could if they transfer that the right way to the big screen, this could be a huge boon for them. Yeah, I will definitely check this movie out. And they're kind of on the upward swing, too, so there's no reason not to. They really nailed Swamp Thing. We'll talk about that in a little bit, though. Well, we'll talk about that now. I'll move that forward. <laughs> so this Swamp Thing show, it the first episode, I watched it last week. It is fucking awesome. It's a straight up like a horror show. The production value is super high. It's got body horror. You've got... Uh, just really good acting all around. It's really cool story. Uh, overall, I love it. Problem is, it's already canceled, which sucks yeah. so much ass. It's it's bizarre that. So I, I mean I understand if you have to cancel, so you have to cancel a show, but you release the first episode of it and then, like literally just the pilots out, and then you tell everybody that it's over before it even starts. Like wait to t- <laughs> like take the wind out of everybody's sails immediately. The timeline here is that before the trailer even dropped, they said that this rumor came out, I guess, that it was going to be 13 episodes and that Warner Brothers came in and was like, no, 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 we're cutting it down to 10. And then they had to rewrite and refilm the ending, which was bad. So they put out the um, the trailer and everyone was like, this looks dope. And then they put it up on DC Universe last week. And for, at first it seemed like there were conflictions on, or is that a word? There conflict. Conflict. There was conflict on set. <laughs> And between whether or not it wanted to be a horror show or like a normal superhero drama or whatever. And then it turned out that some guy was saying that he read in a North Carolina paper that it came down to money. And it was like a tax issue. But the latest update um, is that Warner Brothers is making their own streaming service that's going to have like Showtime and HBO. And they're going to eventually move the best stuff from DC Universe over to that. So there is a chance that this could get moved over to that. I'm sure Doom Patrol will because that show got such great buzz. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I think it. I think it's weird, but I guess if it gets to continue at some capacity, that that's good. Yeah. I mean, I'd obviously like to see more of it. I just think it's weird that if that is the plan to move it to this new streaming service, why would you like release a big first season that like you know if if. if quality continues on that first episode on this will be like going down as like a big talked about show for this year why wouldn't you want to continue that and then be like well now you have to pay for this service because we have this show that you love and like we already have this good content instead of being like well yeah that season's done like if you like that content it might be as good on this streaming service if you want to take the (laughs) risk and pay for it it just seems weird yeah, and you kind of have to be a DC fan to even really care enough to look at what is on DC Universe. But now that I have it, I'm really glad I do because I love Doom Patrol. I love being able to read the comics of these shows. But Swamp Thing, like once that's over, I guess I would have canceled it because Doom Patrol would be over at that point, and then Swamp Thing would be over, and I don't give a fuck about whatever Star Girl is, and like a Harley Quinn animated show, I don't really care about. So I'm glad that. They're realize they're not just like canceling everything. I'm glad that they're kind of deciding to make a Warner Brothers streaming service because you know what that means? We could get a Harry Potter show, which would be fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean they're gonna have to compete with this uh, new Disney streaming thing where they're gonna have, you know, like the Mandalorian. They're gonna have Star Wars shows. They're gonna have you know those spinoff Marvel shows. Like that streaming service is cheap and it's gonna be a powerhouse in terms of every Marvel movie is gonna be on it. Pixar movies, like, that's going to be a hub of, like, a ton of entertainment. So the only way to really combat that is to kind of join all your forces, your DC, Harry Potter, Conjuring, everything, and kind of put it all on one streaming service at once to even compete with something like that. They could do, like, a Warren Files show. That would be so, so yeah. cool. I mean, that would be awesome. Because like, a lot of these ideas, like Annabelle and the the Crooked Man and, you know... Um, the Curse of La Llorona, those would be great as TV episodes. Like, they just didn't work as full movies. It'd be better if they could turn these Conjuring spinoffs into, into like TV a, seasons or episodes or whatever. Right, like an hour-long episode of something or j- just something a little more condensed. Like, not necessarily a short, but not quite a feature. Like, it has some room to breathe, but it's not like you don't have to have a lot of filler in it. I, it, it could fit in there pretty well. And then you could leave the big Conjuring movies for the theaters or, you know move on from there but i could see it as a kind of a big opportunity for them to push a lot of new content and and i'd be down for it if they had some some cool shows yeah the best thing about this 
Warner Brothers service is that it's allegedly going to have Showtime and HBO built in. So you get all that content too. You don't need HBO now anymore, which is great. That'd be really cool to have content like that. And also you're not getting CW tier DC shows anymore. Like the reason I like Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing is because they're not CW garbage. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like they're good shows. Yeah. They're quality. They're not like network TV. Uh, like the production value on Swamp Thing is insane, which makes sense because they spent $80 million on it. <laughs> right. Did you watch Swamp Thing? Uh, no, I haven't watched it yet. But There's like a Carpenter-esque thing monster. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The set pieces are great. The swamp they go out into is awesome. The costume on Derek Mears, who played Jason in Friday the 13th, 2009, he looks really good as a swamp thing. Mm-hmm. It's a really good high production value show. So hopefully it gets uh, moved over to this new streaming service. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to see kind of what other shows Warner Brothers can conjure up. Yeah. So the next thing on here, though, is that Jordan Peele. He's been raving about Ari Aster's Midsummer, and it's atrociously disturbing imagery, dude. <laughs> so, in Fangoria, there's a conversation between Jordan Peele and Ari Aster, I guess? And uh, there's an exclusive sneak peek in EW. Um, he said, I mean, this usurps The Wicker Man as the most iconic pagan movie to be referenced. And then he said later on, that was some of the most atrociously disturbing imagery I've ever seen in the film. Uh, talking about some weird ass horror shit i don't really want to spoil it so either way i'm pretty fucking stoked for midsummer it's so bright and colorful and at the bottom of the article that blade disgusting has there's a guy's leg broken in half which looks great (laughs) yeah um i mean i think we talked about it a little bit last episode too but i mean we have a lot of faith in ari aster obviously he kind of gave us a lot with hereditaries so i i think we all know he can make a really good horror movie and it seems like this is kind of another step in the right direction. I mean, it's a pagan horror film that's just, like, really cool and unique. We don't really see too many of those. So just kind of excited to see what this movie is and trying to stay as radio silent as possible until I can watch it for myself. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see it. There's this blonde girl. I don't know. This blonde, deformed girl you see in the trailer and everything, I'm starting to wonder if that's the main character. Because it kind of looks like her, but is it deformed enough to where it could not be, you know? Yeah, I mean, it could it could be something where that's like another uh, ritual type thing where we have this character and then they're being used as some kind of sacrifice to summon something or in some pagan ritual and it's deforming her as like the evil manifests itself in her body and it's changing her and warping her you know her looks so i can see that kind of being a cool metamorphosis throughout the movie yeah so i'm excited for my fangoria issue we can see uh midsummer when i'm home for um fourth of july is that comes out july 3rd oh yeah nice (laughs) yeah we so we can see that theaters and talk about it in person on our podcast so we won't have to deal with the internet (laughs) so next thing on here guys it's finally time, finally time for Rob Zombie to grace us with the trailer from Three from, <laughs> Three from Hell. I went from like a zero to a ten on this movie. I just I want to know what it is. <laughs> He's it, been it, teasing everything on his fucking Instagram with the most like low production value images with screen grabs from this movie. Like he doesn't give a shit. I saw you were tweeting about it like a week or so ago where you were like, I wish Rob Zombie would talk about this movie not offhandedly in his like descriptions of his Instagram pictures because he'll be like, look at me and my wife, Sherry Moon Zombie. That was a nice night. Uh, Three from Hell's done editing. About to release that shit next week. It's like, why would yeah. you put those two things together? And he's like giving weird time frames. He's like, you know, like. I don't know. Here's a picture of my uh, Miller Lite. Uh, yeah. I, also, I'm thinking of releasing Three from Hell sometime between August and September. And he's like, uh, also, the trailer will be out in uh, two days and 14 minutes, so keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, he's like talking about fighting with the MPAA. He's like, I, I want to release the trailer, but I keep going back and forth with the fucking MPAA. They're telling me my trailer's too goddamn gory. I got to keep cutting shit out of it. But officially, it's dropping this Monday uh, during E3, no less. Come on, Rob Zombie. Don't you know there's video game shit going on? Big, but, big week um, for entertainment. This movie has a pretty big audience. I've realized by doing two videos on it. Like, it's out there. People are excited. I'm excited. I need Rob Zombie to have a redemption story with his movies. Yeah. Uh, he I just mean, seems like a cool guy. 
It'd be I, cool I, I if this was success. It'd be cool if this was like his swan song. Like he just goes out on like ending his trilogy. That's like probably his most well received like original idea, original concept. He can just kind of go out on a huge bang, like a just leave the film industry on a massive high note. I'm um, I'm excited. See what it is. I mean, it, it's definitely gonna be weird. It's definitely gonna be gory, but that's kind of par for the course with any Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, listen to this cast. Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, main cast. Then you've got cameos from Danny Trejo, Kevin Jackson, Wade Williams, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Clint Howard, Pacho Moeller, Emilio Rivera, Daniel Ro- Roebuck, David Uri, Sean Whalen, Austin Stoker, D. Wallace from E.T., Richard Brake, Bill Oberst Jr., Richard Ryle, Dot Marie Jones, and Tom Papa. Oh, and you also got Barry Botswick and Chaz Bono. A lot of people. A lot of cameos in this goddamn movie. I'm I'm excited, dude. Even if it's bad, it'll still be a Rob Zombie movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, love him or hate him, he's a director that has his very own style to him and his own voice, more so than a lot of directors. So I think that is at least admirable, that he kind of has his own voice when it comes to filmmaking. Yeah, so... I'm excited just to see what the trailer is. I'm probably going to do a video about it if it releases like early enough on Monday. I'll try and get one done before work. Uh, I'm really excited for this movie. And then after that, we've got Gary Doberman, our boy, talking about Salem's Lot. The headline says, I haven't seen a scary vampire movie in a long time. <laughs> I don't know why I gave him that voice as if I don't know what he sounds like. I've talked to the dude in person before. He doesn't sound like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked about a couple weeks ago that he's rebooting um he's writing uh, salem's lot and it's gonna be from warner brothers a new line obviously he said i did have a unique way into it but then again i think the book in itself is unique certainly now i haven't seen a scary vampire movie in a long long time and i'd really like to tackle that it's one of my favorite books it's one of my favorite stephen king books we felt it should have the cinematic treatment that we gave it. That's what I wanted to hear, dude. That's what I want to hear. I want this to be as big as it. I yeah. want this to be this fucking tentpole, you know, $50 million budget, big-ass movie with a good cast, some good effects, good writing from Gary Doberman, which is, you know, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. I think he'll do a good job on this. Yeah. Um, if he can give this the same treatment as he did it and kind of – I mean, this is a much shorter book than it, so it'll probably just be a one one part. I can't really see Sam's Lot having a sequel to it. Um, but if they can just kind of fully ground up, do like really high budget, good effects, make the vampires creepy, make the atmosphere really dark and scary, build this little town, this creepy house on the hill. I mean, I I think that this is like one of Stephen King's best books. I mean, I think it's his first book. I don't know. I Maybe, thought Carrie was. Carrie might be his first book. It's one of his first books. It's like within his first... I, th- yeah, I think the first three are this, The Shining, and Carrie, right? Something like that. I think this is like within the first... His like first five books or something. It's definitely really early in his career. And I, I think it's a really cool book. And it has like my favorite Stephen King universe character uh, with the priest. And so... Uh, I, I'm excited to see kind of how that's brought to light, how this like good versus evil plays on screen and, and how they do the vampires. I think this, the original one kind of has a big cult following. So hopefully that brings the numbers out to the theaters and, and this does well. We can see more of these like really imaginative, big re-envisioning of these old Stephen King books that kind of were originally miniseries in the 90s. I like that uh, Warner Brothers, the movies that they're making like this are TV movies first. Like, the, It and Salem's Lot were both TV movies and miniseries. Right. So it's not like they're remaking stuff. They're just adapting it into a feature film, which is awesome. Yeah, and, and I think kind of if you do it as one big project like that and you don't split it up, like, in a miniseries, I think that kind of can add to the quality because it, it can kind of get bloated with the miniseries where you have to add things and kind of stretch moments out that might not necessarily need to be stretched just because... You know, you might be able to tell the story in two hours, but you have eight hours to tell it. So you have to kind of really delve deep and have a lot more conversations between characters. And that's, you know, good or bad, depending on, on how much that's a part of the story. So I'm just kind of excited to see how he tackles this like it. And I think if this is done as well as it was at chapter one, at least, I mean, jury's out on two since we don't know what that is yet. Um, but I think if he 
adapts this as well as the first part of it, I'm going to be really happy. I think he is right, though. I haven't, I was just trying to think about a scary vampire movie. I can't remember any. Like, maybe Fright Night from 2011? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that if that's, like, scary. really scary, but... Yeah, I, I was just trying to find anything. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. He's right. It's been kind of, uh, you know, it's it hasn't been uh, in the forefront recently. We haven't seen any cool vampire movies, so hopefully he can kind of bring it back into the forefront, bring back the the classic monster. He has got to be so rich, dude. <laughs> Especially the rumor I've heard is that if Annabelle Creation does well, he'll get to direct Salem's Lot as well. Because he's directing Annabelle and writing it. Yeah. So this dude's career is blowing the frick up, man. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, at the helm for a lot of these WB projects. I'm I'm happy for him. I think he's done some good work. Yeah, so good far. for him. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Robert Pattinson being the next Batman because that's fine. Like, I think I'm it's cool. cool. With that. You cool with that? I, yeah, I think we're both excited to see him as Batman. Cool. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Be right back. Talk about two movies. One of them good, one of them bad. <laughs> All right, so we're back from our quick break here. The first movie we're going to talk about is Dark Phoenix because it's going to be quick. So I got invited to an early screening of this movie which was very kind of uh, 20th Century Fox to invite me. I really appreciate that. I love going to their early screenings. But my friend Griffin really wanted to go to review it for his channel, Men vs. Movies, so I brought him as my plus one. And Dark Phoenix is far and away the worst movie I've seen in 2019. <laughs> it is terrible. I like I really like the X-Men background. I really like X2. I like the first X-Men movie. Love both Deadpools. Love First Class. Love Days of Future Past, love Logan. They're all pretty great. Logan's on a different level, but all those movies are great to me. I like them all. This movie sucks. It's <laughs> garbage. So I didn't know this. I didn't know that it had all these disastrous filming and reshoot problems and all this crap. I didn't know any of that going in, so you can't hold that against me. I also didn't know that uh, Simon Kinberg, who wrote x-men 3 last stand was getting a second crack at the same fucking story <laughs> and this time around he was directing it and the intro to this movie is great like they go up into space to save these astronauts you get to see all of these this team of x-men featuring beast and uh you know gene gray and cyclops i'll use their in a nightcrawler i'll use their different powers work together to save this group of astronauts it's like oh they're being x-men that's cool that doesn't usually happen in these movies it's just a lot of talking usually and from there, it's just like this movie jumps off a cliff. Do you want to know anything specific about it, George? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm like I haven't really read the X Men comics. I've seen like most of the movies. I didn't see X Men Apocalypse. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Days of Future Past, um, but I've seen all the other ones. I mean, I, I think X Three is pretty bad. So I, I <laughs> like I don't know really what to expect out of this one. Um, this is supposed to be like this epic Avengers <laughs> scale movie. All of the fight scenes are tiny. They're either in front of like someone's house and the shot blocking. You can tell this guy who's directing it, Simon Kimberg, had no idea what he was doing with blocking an action scene. Jean Grey will just take off whenever she feels like it. Whenever a conversation's over, she just floats up into the sky and the <laughs> camera pans up to follow her. And it's never not awkward. Sophie Turner does a great job playing her. The problem is the dialogue she's given and everyone in this movie is given. It's terrible. So even uh, it has what? even like the big the big characters that are supposed to be kind of carrying the movie. Um, you know, Michael Fassbender as Magneto and uh, the guy from no. Split as uh, Professor X. They're oh, not James good either. McAvoy, yeah, he, he can't do he can't do anything wrong. He's great. <laughs> so are, are they okay in the movie or? Yeah, they're fine. The, the story just doesn't exist, though. Like, <laughs> it, it has no structure. It just is event to event to event to event, and they're on a train, then the movie's over. For some reason, they end up on a train. I have no idea why. So this is supposed to be the conclusion to that trilogy, though, right? Like, this is supposed to be the end of, like, the these, yeah, these X-Men movies for now? Like, this is supposed to... This is it. They're starting over after this. So I mean, it's, it's weird. <laughs> That's weird. So there's a part where 
So the main bad guys in this movie are some alien race. You see them at the beginning of the movie. This is not spoiling anything. I have no fucking idea what these things are supposed to be at all because they don't tell you anything about them. They show up on planet Earth. They make themselves look like humans. And then they go looking for Jean Grey. That's the only, only thing you ever learn about them. It's like, who are they? Why Why do they want the Phoenix Force? I guess like their planet gets destroyed and the, by the Phoenix Force. So they follow it around so they can use it to rebuild their planet. It's like, okay. It's bizarre. So that's stupid. And then they've got Jean Grey at one point in the movie. And one team is Magneto and Beast and his team. Because a character dies, which I bet you could guess in one second who it is. Character dies that kind of throws this whole thing into whole whole thing into action. Mm-hmm. So on one team is Beast, who's upset that this character dies. So he goes to Magneto because Charles Xavier is like corrupted by fame, and then Charles Xavier takes Cyclops and Storm to. They're all going to get Jean Grey, and they're just kind of talking outside. Because Magneto's like, I'm gonna kill her, and Professor X is like, eh, do you do you have to? <laughs> and then it cuts straight to Cyclops, zooming on his face. He goes, If you touch her, I'll fucking kill you. And it's so out and like left field for no reason. They're just like, like Magneto's like, Charles, you know I have to kill her if I encounter her. And Charles is like, Yeah, I mean, like, I think you you probably feel like you have to kill her because of this person she killed but you don't because it's not her she has the phoenix force in her and and Guido's like what what's the phoenix force i don't know what that is could you explain it to me so maybe i don't have to go murder one of my friends so it's and just, just <laughs> cut the tie in its face you touch her i'll fucking kill you and it's just like the whole theater erupted in laughter it was so funny. I feel so bad for Ty Sheridan because I really like him. But it's, it's ridiculous. This fight scene that happens is the most epic fight scene in the entire movie. And it takes place like across like one street. So Dr. Z- <laughs> Professor X, whatever, is making people fall asleep with his mind powers. And Nightcrawler is just like teleporting around. He gets hit by a bus. And uh, Cyclops uses his eye beams, but he fucking misses multiple times. How do you miss? You look straight. They come out of your eyes, dude. Like, just look at the thing you're shooting at. I don't understand how Cyclops could ever miss. And then at the end of this fight scene, he he has to, like, do this trick move where he bounces his beam off of a moving taxi cab's window. And he expertly does it just like and just like nail someone with it so it's like you could do that but you can like be staring at someone and miss them by three feet are you fucking kidding me it's ridiculous the movie just ends just ends the same way as x3 it's like well that happened like i have no idea what the plot of this movie was it's garbage i have amc stubs the premiere or whatever, where I can go see three movies a week, I would see fucking The Secret Life of Pets 2 three times before I went and saw this movie once. It's garbage. Like, don't give them your money for this movie. Like, don't tell them that they can put out trash like this and get away with it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a, a glowing review. I, I'd say you, that was a solid zero out of five for you for that movie. <laughs> On Letterboxd, the other day I gave it a two out of five. Yeah. And then... I thought about it for two days, and I went back, and I changed my review to a one out of five. <laughs> I've never done that before. I've never come out of a movie being like, no one should see this, except for, like, Slender Man. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely... That and Possession of Hannah Grace were, like, horrible, horrible, terrible. Yeah. So, that movie sucks. Don't see it. Um, thanks for inviting me to the screening, Fox. But <laughs> next up, we're talking about Godzilla King of the Monsters, which... Oh, man. That was a great movie. I give that movie a 5 out of 5. What would you give it? I like it. I think it's good. Um, I have some issues with it. I'd probably give it like a 3.5 out of 5. Damn. <laughs> like It just really depends what you're looking for. I mean, this movie's been talked about ad nauseum. It's all fights. Like It's like the human plotline exists to make the monsters encounter each other and fight, which is what I wanted from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, like I, I think that the human storyline is passable, but it's nothing special. Um, I, I think there's, like, they really dumbed down the human plot to the point where it's just, like, weird. And, like, the, the big issues I had with it were I loved the spectacle of it. Like, seeing the monsters actually fight each other and do these things. And, like, that scene of Ghidorah uh, standing on top of the mountain with the cross in the foreground was, like, beautiful. Great. I love that. Phenomenal. I wanna, 
I want to frame that and put it on my wall. It looks so cool. Michael Dougherty makes these monsters characters, like the other Godzilla movies in Japan. This movie has come closer than any American Godzilla ever will to being like a Japanese Godzilla movie. I'd say it ranks with them because that's all Jap that's all the Japanese Godzilla movies are. It's just a bunch of talky bullshit about nothing, and then you get some good fights. Yeah, and, and I think it does deliver in the fights. Like, my, my complaint basically is I wish that either there were more fights, more interactions, or that I think it's annoying when there's certain fight scenes where we kind of start to see some conflict, and then they'll cut to the human characters that I don't give a shit about. Like, yes. I don't care that Millie Bobby Brown is carrying around this, like, monster calling device. Like, I don't want to see her. I want to just yeah, see... Yeah, I didn't care about that device. Like, I don't... I just want to see... Godzilla beating the shit out of somebody. Like, I don't need to keep cutting back to the humans. Like, if you just had a straight, like, leave the camera on Godzilla and Ghidorah just beating the shit out of each other for ten minutes, that is a much better scene, in my opinion, than cutting between, like, oh, Godzilla just punched him, and Millie Bobby Brown is running into a house, and, oh, Ghidorah's really pissed now, and, oh, this is what happens with Vera Farmiga. Like, if they would have, like, framed the fights a little bit better and not had so much cutting between the human and the monster stories, I think it would have flowed a little bit better. It didn't really bother me. I don't know if it's because I just watched five Godzilla movies, and <laughs> this was by far the best one, except maybe Shin Godzilla. But the fight, when the monsters were on screen, if you compare it to Godzilla 2014, like it's much better in that regard. I also like that the monsters became characters, and they did some really cool stuff, like Rodan flying and destroying all those jets. Yeah. That's an awesome part. Just Rodan going nuts, like flipping around, just murdering everyone. There's a part where Ghidorah bites onto a power plant to make himself more powerful with yeah. one head, which is dope. Godzilla gets nuclear powered up. There's a ton of cool moments like that. I really love the moment when uh, Ken Watanabe goes down into the Atlantis city where Godzilla lives yeah. and feeds him a nuke. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, that whole scene is like so Lovecraftian. Where it's like, yeah, basically a combination of like the deep ones and like this ancient civilization that used to worship these giant monsters. So like all that, I loved it. I thought that was so cool. Like feeding Godzilla nuclear energy to make him more powerful was a cool idea. I mean, like the way Godzilla powers up, the, there's like I have zero complaints about the monsters at all. Every monster that was showcased, I mean, there's like yeah, there's like 15 monsters or whatever, but really there's only four that actually do anything. In the movie. Right, my girl Mothra, dude. She, Mothra. She served her purpose. Mothra in every Godzilla movie. She comes out of her egg, <laughs> her fucking egg, thanks to two Chinese twins, which a lot of people aren't getting. People are mad that the egg Mothra hatched from. You see the the Chinese lady on the plane, and then you see her again when Mothra's hatching. Mm -hmm. That that's another person. <laughs> it's a different person. <laughs> They're twins because Mothra was protected by two twins, and uh, Mothra comes out of her egg. She comes in at the last second to save Godzilla every time because all she is is a big moth. She doesn't. She's not like <laughs> right. She's not like an armored caliber. monster. <laughs> yeah. So she also gets some cool moments in this movie where she uses her like her legs, and when she's flying down, she's like, Ching! and then yeah. she gets her ass rocked. And that was she, sweet. She has her little stingers and her mandibles. I mean, they made her as ferocious as possible. And I mean, just the scenes with her also, where like she her giant wings like expand out and it's just like this you know like amazing light show looked amazing um i mean the scene with um rodan when he's flying over the city and it's just like crumbling buildings and oh, yeah, the weight of his awesome. like wings flying by i thought that looked like so cool um i mean really like the character i didn't like the most was the guy from uh billy madison who only speaks in one-liners <laughs> <laughs> which one uh, is it the guy from get out yeah that guy i like that guy everyone <laughs> hates that guy's jokes i thought they were all really funny it was fine like <laughs> the first 700 jokes he told but then that other like fourteen thousand really got on my nerves i mean i loved like, all his jokes i didn't like the guy who called Ghidorah gonorrhea it's like your job is to be a scientist who knows what these monsters are called and you're gonna fuck up Ghidorah if you hear it once like fuck you that was stupid and, those and, were <laughs> the only human character that I like actually liked was um, the guy from the first Kyle. movie who says, let them fight. Uh, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. Um, the guy from Friday Night Lights. 
and Kyle Chandler. How yeah. do you not like Kyle Chandler? <laughs> no, I like him. I'm saying I like him. I know, him. I know. I no, like I'm Ken agreeing Rockenham. with you by saying how do you not oh, like him? You yeah, I mean he was you can't good. Not like, like him. He had chops. Like he was the only one that like sold his lines and like knew what he was doing. Um, I mean like the main bad guy from Game of Thrones, the Lannister guy. I mean he was like okay, but he was like literally just evil. Like he felt like he had no purpose other than like destroying the world, which I don't see how that's a benefit for him. Well, he's got to make Mecha Godzilla. I like that. Uh, fucking Vera Farmiga died. It's like you can't redeem that. Yeah. <laughs> she had a Darth Vader redemption. Like you know, it's like oh, she turned good right before she died. I was right. fine with that, but like, nah, she killed like a billion people at minimum. <laughs> right, and like her whole so. plot is bizarre. Because she's like, my son died in the Godzilla attack from the 2014 Godzilla, so I'm going to make sure a lot of people's kids die when I wake up all the monsters and make them go on a rampage. Yeah, it was nice of them to cast a fan, like just a random fan, as a main character, but I don't think they should do that in the future. Like, Millie Bobby Brown as, like, you know, just a random person off the street, she's okay at delivering lines, I guess, but... I don't know. I don't know if they should have just brought in a movie fan to be a main character in a movie. I mean, she has a lot of hype around her too. Stranger Things is like you know the biggest show. But I'm making a joke. I don't. <laughs> I don't think she's a good actor. I don't think she can deliver lines. Like she was terrible, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, she's. It's just rough. Like her whole story arc is weird and like, like she's she, just. They, they try and. Make her, like, this pivotal character, but I don't give a fuck about a bad kid actor. Like, right. she's she's fine in Stranger Things because she doesn't have to speak. <laughs> right. It's all just screaming, you know, and she looks pissed and holds her temples. It's, like, anyone can be fucking a uh, Manchurian candidate like her, but <laughs> it, it, when she has to deliver lines and her accent is slipping in and out multiple times yeah. in one scene, yeah. it's like... Are you trying? Like, I don't, irritating. I don't think she had no reason to be in this movie. The, like, yeah, I want, they wanted her to be the connection between Vera Farmiga and Kyle Chandler's characters, but like, Vera Farmiga is so evil that there's no point in having a connection between them. It's like they're not going to get back together, so you don't need this connection. She could be the bad guy, and then he can be the good guy. They don't need this child. Right. They could there. just be at wit's end. Or it could have been like, they deal with the death of their kid. I mean, like, they kind of do that in the sense that, like, they deal with the death of their kid in direct opposite ways, but that could have been done without having another kid. Like, it could have just yeah. been, that's what the was a wedge that drove them to be, like, polar opposites at the point of this movie. I like how Kyle Chandler is, like, the, the military's having a meeting about how they're gonna fight Godzilla and stuff, and then Kyle Chandler comes in and he's like, you know what the fuck you're talking about? And he tells <laughs> everyone how to do their job. Yeah. I like that. That was great. It was also cool that, like, they give him a little bit of backstory in the sense that they're like, yeah, you know, he tracks animals, like, he understands how, like, packs move and, like, animals migrate and stuff. So he had, like, actual input in the movie as it goes on, where they're like, oh, all these monsters sure are just stomping around wildly. And he's like, no, you idiot. Like, they're migrating. Like, they're doing something. <laughs> so yeah, I-, I thought it was cool that, like, they gave him a occupation that like fits in the story and was able to kind of pay off at a, at a later point. Right. Uh, so my monsterverse ranking right now is Kong skull Island. Number one, this number two Godzilla, 2014, number three. Yeah. I agree with that. Kong skull Island is really good. Yeah. I'm really excited for uh Kong versus Godzilla. It's going to be like Batman versus Superman where they fight once and then Mecha Godzilla is going to come out. And then they're going to be like, oh, shit, we got to fight Mechagodzilla. It's going to be sweet, though. I'm in for that. Yeah, because Kong can <laughs> use weapons. <laughs> Kong picks up a giant AK-47 and then starts shooting. Michael Dougherty made a great point when people were like, who's Kong going to fight Godzilla? He was like, Kong was like barely a teenager right. during Vietnam when that movie took place. Yeah, he's going to be a big boy. I, I also like how all the monsters come awake in this movie, but he's like, nah. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm chilling. Like, I'm, I'm hanging out over here on Skull Island. Yeah. He's like, you want to come on my thing. turf? I'll wreck you, so just stay away from me. <laughs> I've talked to, like, three people who saw Godzilla. They were like, that uh, that big mammoth 
that thing was awesome. I don't I know like why that. they showed that thing. Yeah. Then didn't use it at all. It's like, I have no response to this. I agree with you. Because the mammoth is bigger than every monster. Did you notice that at the end right. of the movie? Like, he could have smoked, like... <laughs> like, any of those other monsters that come come around at the end when they're all gathering, like, he could have just ran through in a train and wiped out, like, eight monsters. Yeah, so hopefully we get to see more of those in Kong versus uh, Godzilla. I heard that the setup for that movie is going to be like, Godzilla goes mad with power, and then Kong's got to be like, nah, bitch, like, I'm coming out of hiding to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they, they team up and fight Mechagodzilla yeah, together. Yeah, I'm all in for that. I thought this was good. I mean, I'd see it again. Um, amazing yeah, visuals. I, 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 the reviews are ridiculous, dude. People got to pull their head out of their ass going into this expecting fine art. It's like I saw a lot of people say that they still haven't mastered the art of the Japanese Godzilla movie, and I'm convinced that those people haven't seen a Japanese Godzilla movie. That's all these fucking movies are. They're, they're just random human bullshit to about nothing. The only one that actually has a plot is GMK, which is like a Japanese businessman finds Mothra's egg and tries to sell it. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Godzilla's like, no, corporations are bad. <laughs> I mean, I approve of that message for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, there's really no plots. The best one everyone likes is fucking Final Wars. And this movie is the closest to Final Wars as an American one has ever gotten. <laughs> so I give it a five. What did I tell you? I gave it like an yeah. eight out of five. <laughs> I think the first time, right after you saw it, I think you gave it like a hundred out of five. Then you were like, no, maybe it was yeah. first it was an eight out of five. Then it was a hundred out of five. <laughs> I'm gonna I don't think you went down on it. I'm going to give it a 60 out of 5. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I, a, a cool really movie. Excited and I would recommend co- people go see it so that this monster verse can continue. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>